Good morning. We are discovering Jesus all summer. We're using this book, the Jesus Journal from the Gospel of John. I, I remind you of the purpose of why John wrote this story of Jesus. Is that you might believe. And that by believing in his name, you might have life. And we get to the big miracle. John is building all the way up to this moment. It's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And this is the, 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 the peak, the, the high point. Not just any dead, four day dead dead. And you know this story. You've heard this story preached so many times. You could probably tell it to me. Uh, word gets to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was Jesus' friend. He doesn't rush to his side. When he finally shows up, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, are not happy. Both of them, in verse 21 and 32, say the exact same thing. They say, if you would have been here, Jesus, our brother would not have died. And Jesus goes out to the cemetery in the shortest verse in the entire Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35, you all know it, it's, yes, Jesus wept, you all know that, that's when you have to know Jesus wept, right, shortest Bible verse. And then Jesus says something miraculous to that four-day dead Lazarus. He yells out, Lazarus, come out. And who came out was not uh, walking dead Lazarus, not, you know, a zombie apocalypse Lazarus, not, not uh, uh, I don't know, night of the living dead Lazarus, not, that, not zombie Lazarus. No, who came out was heaven sent Lazarus. And so Lazarus, imagine, 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 four days in heaven Lazarus, and he had everything, everything was going great, walking streets of gold, you know, probably had lunch planned with Moses, little tea and manna. Maybe David was going to show him around the, the, his harp collection. Jonah promised a whale of a story, all those things. And he hear, you know, in all of heaven, here's Lazarus, come out. No one has to ask, whose voice is that? And the boy from Bethany Looks over at I don't know who. Joshua says, well, I guess I'm ready for a second tour of duty. And then John tells those amazing five words in 1145. The dead man came out. Now, I don't know if you've been around dead people. They don't come out. They don't, they don't, they, they don't, they don't sit up. They don't talk. They don't. I just, we just had a funeral for Vivian Nelson. Vivian Nelson was 97 years old, and she passed away. She still had her mind sharp about her. And Vivian had, had plans. She made plans for everything. She planned out her funeral exactly how she wanted it. And she, she picked out two songs. She had this all written down. And if you know Vivian, she had perfect penmanship. She had it all written down. The two songs she wanted sung at her funeral. But then she wrote this. If the singers don't want to sing those songs... I'm not going to sit up from my casket and complain. <laughs> That's Vivian, right? She got it. Dead men don't complain. Dead men don't come out. 
But who came out? Lazarus came out. Woohoo! Big miracle, right? Yahoo! It's interesting. You know, this is the talk of the town. This is the biggest, biggest news that, 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 that they've ever had. It reminds... You know, it reminds me that Jesus can handle your situation. Whatever your circumstance, however bad it might be, it's not worse than four-day dead Lazarus. You're still living and breathing. It's not worse than that. It can't be worse than that, right? So it should remind us of that good news. If Jesus can step in and work, whatever our problem, whatever our circumstance, whatever our, Jesus can help. Jesus can bring light to the, to the darkest situation. He can bring hope to the, to the most loneliest and most desolate place. Jesus can, can resurrect the worst of the worst. When Jesus is on the scene, there's no telling what. The dead man came out. It's interesting in the story, the talk of the town story, the one person who doesn't talk, doesn't say, a, doesn't say a peep, is Lazarus. John never quotes Lazarus, not even once. Not even, Yahoo, I'm alive. Not, whoo, that first step was a doozy. Not anything like that. If it were today, right, he'd be making the circuit. He'd write a best-selling book. He'd be on podcasts and TV shows. What's it like to be in heaven? Well, let me tell you. But, but John doesn't say any of that. Why doesn't John say any of that? Why doesn't, why doesn't he have Lazarus talk about streets of gold and pearly gates and being in heaven? Is that a good question to ask? It goes back to John 10, 20, 31. Why is he writing this story? That you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, you might have life. Amen. This isn't Lazarus' story. This is Jesus' story. This isn't, this isn't, you know, the tale of Lazarus, the man who is dead and now alive. No, 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 no. This is Jesus' story. And John refuses to get distracted from the main thing. And just let me take a little tangent. That's important for us. That's important for our church. We can't get distracted from the main thing. There are a lot of good things, a lot of important things in the world. But our purpose, our main thing is still the Great Commission, which is in Matthew chapter 28, that says, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded them. We have, we have, that's the main thing, our job. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them, that's it. And when churches get off on other things, when they get their focus on this, and sometimes they're important, they're good, they're good, they're important, they're important, but our job, our main job, our main job, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. That's our job. That's the church's job. And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of who we are. John would not get distracted. He's telling the story of Jesus. So Lazarus doesn't tell, you know, how thick are the streets of gold. And he doesn't tell us how deep the crystal sea is. He does not describe the pearly gates. He doesn't even say one stinking word. Why? Because this story is all about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing on his name, you might have life. You know, that's why we do the things around here. Why we had like our Imagine 
initiative? Why did we do the Imagine Initiative? Why are we fixing up the nursery so that when parents drop off their, their kiddos in the nursery, they will hear about Jesus and they'll come in here and they'll hear about Jesus. Or they'll go into a Sunday school class and they'll hear about Jesus. And why are we, why are we you know, putting new signage so when people come, they'll know where to get and how to get to where they want to get and then they'll hear about Jesus. And why are we, you know, sprucing up the offices because it's been 26 years since they've been made and we, those are the most used areas of the church and people come in here and meet with a pastor and what? They'll hear about Jesus. And why are we building the park so people will feel comfortable on the grounds and eventually they'll come in here. Why? So they'll hear about Jesus. And why do we want to, you know, get rid of our debt so we can give money to missions? We want to give money to missions. Why? So that people will hear about Jesus. The whole point is people hear about Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we do. That's the business. That's the job. That's the purpose. That's the agenda. We can't get distracted from that. And that's what John is doing. He's telling this story of Jesus, not Lazarus, Jesus. And so he, and even though this miraculous thing happened to a guy named Lazarus, Lazarus never says one word. Why? Because it's not about him. It's all about Jesus. We sing it. We speak the name of Jesus. He's the one that brings life. He's the one that brings hope. He's the one that we need. It's all about Jesus. Get distracted from that. Even important things, good things. We lose sight of who we are. We've got to be about Jesus. Well, this was important news. It was big news. And there's, there's different reactions from people. You know... Folks sent their sympathy cards to Mary and Martha. They sent flowers to the funeral. They baked the cheesy potatoes for the funeral dinner. You know, and who's standing in front of them in the checkout line at Walmart? Big old goofy Lazarus. This is news. Wait a minute. Did you? Doesn't he? It is. But not everyone is excited about this news. The religious leaders, their story is told in verse 45. If you read down there. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, Lazarus was walking around, believed in him, believed in Jesus. But some of them, tattletales, some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Maybe they were trying to like, hey, guess what? Yippee! But then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. And this is not a hip hip hooray, Lazarus is alive meeting. Woo, yippee. Now, what do they say? What are we accomplishing? To this rhetorical, really the question is, why aren't we accomplishing what we want to be accomplishing? Right, that's what that is saying. What are we accomplishing? What are we doing? What did they want to have done? They wanted Jesus silenced. They wanted Jesus to at least go back to the carpentry shop and shut his mouth. They wanted him dead is what they really want. What are we accomplishing? What we want to be accomplishing is not being accomplished. And then they say this. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, you know, raising dead people, feeding thousands, healing hundreds, if we let him go on like this, Everyone will believe in him. <laughs> exactly. That's the, whole po- that's the whole point, fellas. Yeah. But then listen to this. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. That's the reason right there. This is the only place in the whole Bible 
that the Romans is used as the empire. You know, there's Roman centurions, Roman guards, the book of Romans, but this is the only place where the Romans is used to designate the empire of Rome. If you know your, your ancient history, or if you even can picture in your map the Middle East, that was the Roman Empire. Everything that is considered the Middle East and beyond, really, was the Roman Empire. It had been for 100 years when Jesus came along. And the Romans were, they were strong, they were powerful, the Bible, but the Bible never refers to them as this empire, the Romans. And you want to, you know, do the Darth Vader music when you hear the Rome, the empire. That's the Romans, right? The Romans. Ah! And they knew it, the religious leaders knew it because it hadn't been too much earlier. There had been a little uprising in Israel and the Romans sent a a group of soldiers from Syria. They had an outpost in Syria that came in and wiped them out, wiped out a thousand Israelites. So they knew the power of the Romans. So we let Jesus keep doing this. Then the Romans are going to come and we're not going to have a temple. We're not going to have our nation. So we got to cozy up to the Romans. We got to placate the Romans. We got to keep everything, you know, hunky dory with the Romans because we don't want that. We don't want to mess with that. Because if, if we're not protecting the temple and the nation, who is? That's what the real point was. And you know the answer to that rhetorical question, too. Whose temple was the temple? It was God's holy temple. And whose temple was the nation? It was God's holy nation. And God Almighty did not need Caiaphas and his henchmen to protect the temple. If God Almighty wanted the temple to be protected, he would have protected it. If God Almighty wanted the nation to be kept, he would have kept it. We're talking about God Almighty here. He didn't need Caiaphas, didn't need his henchmen, didn't need any of that. And the relevance for us, whenever the church cozies up to any power other than the Holy Spirit's power, we're in trouble. You can look down through history. When the church tried to cozy up to political entities, they became, it, it, it crumbled. And whenever the church cozies up to anybody other than Jesus, remember, it's all about Jesus. Whenever the church cozies up to anybody other than Jesus, we're in trouble. And it should, uh, should I, okay, just, if, I might step on a toe or two here, so just be careful. We should be worried when the term evangelical has become a political term rather than a term to describe the followers of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. When the church loses sight of that, we're in trouble. The religious leaders lost sight of that. Let's cozy up to Rome. We gotta cozy up to Rome. Here's the crazy thing. John's writing this gospel when it's the last gospel written. Mark is probably first. John is probably last. He probably wrote this in about the year 70, 71 AD. What happened in the year 70 AD? They all would have known it. The Romans came in and did exactly what the religious leaders said they didn't want to have happen. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed the nation. And it had nothing to do with Jesus. And the original readers are saying, look at what they did. They cozied up to Rome and everything is lost. We'll do the same thing if we get our eyes off of Jesus. So the religious leaders, uh, they were upset at this news of Lazarus. Notice how Martha responds. Actually, Martha responds before Lazarus is even raised from the dead. 
Martha goes up to Jesus, you'd have been here. You'd have been here, my brother would have been alive. And Jesus said to her, one of the seven, remember there's seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, where Jesus uh, proclaims who he is. And he gives one of them to Mary. And I read this at nearly every funeral that I officiate. It's in John chapter 11, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. The one who believes in me, anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He's speaking this to Martha whose brother is dead. And he says to her, do you believe this, Martha? And Martha's response, yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Martha gives the perfect response according to John. Why is he writing this gospel? Remember, I've said it twice now already, said it every single week, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what Martha just declares. Jesus, I believe it. You're the, you're the, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, you've come into this world. Martha, in other words, she gets it. She knows exactly who Jesus is. What she doesn't get is what Jesus can do. Because she goes out to the cemetery and Jesus says, hey, let's roll the stone away. And Martha says, no, 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 don't roll it. So, you know, the king, I still like the King James Version. He stinketh. He stinketh. Do not, do not, do not, do not roll that stone away. See, she knew who Jesus was. She didn't know what Jesus could do. And I think that's where we find a lot of church folks. We know who Jesus is. Who's Jesus? Oh, he's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's, you know, Jesus the only begotten Son. We know all that. We know who Jesus is. But sometimes we forget what Jesus can do. How do I know that we can do that? Because a problem comes up. We say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, we turn to Jesus. Or we see somebody, somebody in our family, they are too far gone. They will never come to Jesus. Well, you, you don't know who Jesus is. This situation is too big. There is no hope. You don't know who Jesus is. That's the point. We find ourselves in Martha's shoes. We know who Jesus is. We forget what Jesus can do. Let me tell you, Jesus can handle any circumstance or situation that you might be facing. That's who Jesus is. So that's where Martha is. She, she's got it in her head. She just doesn't have it all worked out. And then there's Mary. I love Mary's response to her brother's resurrection. It's in, it's in John chapter 12. After Lazarus is alive, um, and then chapter 12 begins, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived and Jesus, where Jesus had raised him from the dead, as if you forgot that. And here at dinner is given in Jesus' honor. Party time! And what's Martha doing? Poor Martha, she's always serving. She is the, you know, Carla's hero in the Bible. Somebody's got to do it, you know. She's shaking her head. She, I know. Somebody's got boy Martha. She always gets the short end of the stick. Just like me. If I haven't heard that once, I've heard it a million times. It's true. All right. You're cheaper than marriage counseling, so thank you. And Lazarus was among them reclining at the table. And Mary took a pint of pure nard. See, this is what I think happened. 
They're throwing this party for Jesus. I think it was a, a who's who of people that Jesus had healed party. And so there's, there's former lame people. Maybe the dude at Bethesda. And there's former blind people. Maybe the dude from John chapter 9. And there, and there are women who used to be prostitutes. And there's men who used to purchase the prostitutes. And there's, and there's, and there's tax collectors. Former, and, there's, and there's other people that the rest of the world were saying sinners. And they're all hanging around. And then they're in the corner of Lazarus. And, and Mary comes in. See, in the tradition of the day was, was you'd put, if somebody came into your house to honor them, you'd put a drop, just one drop of nard on their head. If they're a really important person, you'd put two drops on their head. Because nard was really expensive, came from India. You, you don't get nard in Galilee. No, it comes from India. It's super expensive. In fact, later, Judas is going to say, it's a year's wages. So let's just say, I, I don't know what the average yearly wage is, is these days. Let's say it costs $60,000, this bottle of nard. $60,000. And Mary comes walking into the room. And she sees all these people. And she's planning on putting just a drop, just a drop on Jesus' head. Maybe two, he's a special guest. But there's her brother. And her mind goes back to that cemetery when he was dead as dead could be. Don't roll that stone away, he stings, Jesus. But now he's laughing and he's carrying on just like ever. And she's walking towards Jesus and the drop, and the drop isn't going to do it. And so she's just overwhelmed with, with gratitude. She pours out the whole stinking bottle on Jesus' feet. And the whole house smells of nard and the disciples get all upset. And, 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 and Mark, he, they, they say the disciples are just so mad at Mary. You know, she's so wasteful. In fact, the word that Mark uses, it, it, it brings up the connotation of snorting horses. Look what Mary's doing. All upset. And Jesus, and Mark again says, says you know, he, he tells the fellas, what Mary has done is not a wasteful thing. It's not a frivolous thing. What she has done is a beautiful thing. Mark 16, 5. And John says, still recalls Jesus saying, saying, leave her alone. It was intended that she should use this perform on the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you. Jesus is not excusing the poor, saying neglect the poor. He's saying, just recognize that I'm here with you right now. You will not always have me. She has done a beautiful thing. What's happening here? Man. Mary's heart, so full of gratitude for what Jesus has done, it poured out in rich generosity. Again, that's, what, that's that Imagine campaign we had. People are saying, you know, what Jesus has done in my life, it just pours out in rich generosity. And one of the great things about that whole initiative that we went through is that people were able to express their generosity. In fact, what happened, even our consultant that we used, my friend John, he had never seen how many people had, had said, you know, this is what we're going to give. We want to see people come to know Jesus. We want to see people hear about Jesus. We want our church to keep on moving forward. And so we're going to give this amount. And then like a week later, they'd come to me and we had several people that did. They came to me and said, Pastor, you know, we thought about it. We prayed about it. And we need to do more than what we said. And it's just their, their, their hearts were pouring out with rich generosity. It's awesome. That's what Mary's doing. So the religious leaders, they're upset. Martha, she's using her head 
to kind of process all this and to then serve Jesus. And Mary, she's using her heart and just is, is pouring out and rich generosity. And there's one more, there's one more group that, that, that John mentions. And let me ask you this big question before I get to that. Well, no. Let me ask this little question first before I get to the big question. The little question is, are you a follower of Jesus? Well, that's really a big question, but for the sake of our argument. Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you been transformed by Jesus? You, you know, you haven't had a Lazarus experience, I don't think. None of you have been dead in, you know, four days. But Jesus has transformed your life, changed your life. It, you have, you know, Jesus has done something in you. Then, then the big question comes to this last part. Uh, meanwhile, verse, verse, verse 9 a large crowd of Jews found out that Lazarus, or that found out that Jesus was, was there and came. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus. Let me just stop there just to say, you know, first they're plotting to kill Jesus, right? Which kind of is breaking one of the commandments. And then now they're plotting to kill Jesus. Lazarus too and after the crucifixion and resurrection then they want to kill everybody one sin leads to another sin leads to another sin leads to an avalanche of sins that's just the way it works and it's just expressed right here okay read on for on account of him on account of Lazarus being alive many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him so here's the big question do people know? If you said, yes, 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 I'm a Christian. Do people know? And do people come to Jesus because of what Jesus has done in you? Is that a fair question to ask? I mean, because of what Jesus, we're Christians, we're believers. Are people coming to Jesus because of, of your influence, because of what you've done, because of how you act, because of how you respond? Are they coming to Jesus? Does your life show Jesus? You said, yes, I'm a follower. Do people see it in you? Do they, do they know it from you? And I'm not saying go around beating people up. I'm saying just be kind, be nice, show Jesus. And when he opens the doors, walk through them. That's it. Because here's the deal. Jesus is the deepest answer for everyone you know situation. When we speak the name of Jesus, what do we sing? He brings healing. He brings power. There is hope from Jesus. It's all about Jesus.